What tools can you put in the hands of your storytellers to help them bring the Bible to life for kids? We started this conversation back in episode 18, and we're diving back in today on the Simple Kid Men podcast, episode 20. Hello, children's ministry friends. Welcome back to the Simple Kid Men podcast, the podcast where we take the complicated world of children's ministry and we boil it down to the things that matter most. I'm your host, Jason Byerly. I'm a children's pastor, a writer, a podcaster, I guess, and your friend really here just to try to help you to help the folks in your church lead kids to Jesus. Today, we are talking about one of those things that matters the most. We're talking about how we teach the Bible, and we want to do our best to equip our storytellers, teachers, large group communicators, whatever it is you call those people in your church. We want to equip them to be able to correctly handle the Word of God. And that means knowing how to communicate it in a way that will reach their audience kids in the rooms, in children's ministry, whenever your services happen to meet. Now, last month, we talked all about how we can use our voices as communicators to bring God's word to life and to capture a kid's imagination and to help them to really experience the Bible in all of its wonder and awe. Now, the next tool we're going to talk about that we can put in our toolbox today is the human face. Take a selfie or look in a mirror right now if you can. Take a look at that face. If there are people that you can see around you, look around the room right now at those incredibly expressive faces. Now, what you may not realize is that the faces that you see around you, or if you're looking at your own face, those faces are muscular powerhouses. In fact, as you see faces throughout your day, the expressions you see are the result of 43 muscles working together to tell the world what you're thinking and feeling. 43 muscles. If you're like me, you may not have realized that you had 43 muscles in your entire body, let alone just in your face. But the fact is, your face is a veritable gold's gem of power-packed muscular action. So the next time you're feeling out of shape, just look in the mirror and smile and remind yourself that's almost 50 CrossFit-worthy muscles that you're staring at. Here's the best part, though. All of those muscles, those wonderful expressive faces, they are a megaphone that will help you communicate so much about your lesson or Bible story without even saying a word. Now, anytime we can use emotional details from a Bible story, it will go a long way to helping bring characters to life and to suck kids into the story because it helps them to see that the characters aren't cartoon characters or just a fictitious character from a movie. These are real people who experienced real events and had interactions with a real God. And they're real people just like the kids. And the way that we can help them to identify with these characters is to help them to see that they felt things and they experienced things just like the kids do. And we can use our voices, as we talked about in our last storytelling session, and that's a great tool to use. But we can also use our faces in really powerful ways, either with our voice or even if we're not saying a word. And when we do that, it helps bring those characters to life and really draws kids into the power and reality of the Bible story that we're teaching. So our facial expressions, they can just help us connect emotionally with kids, and they can help kids connect with the emotions of the characters in the story. Now think about the expression that Peter must have had on his face when he was denying Jesus. What are you talking about? I I don't know him. I I tell you, I never met the guy. What did his face look like when he said that? 
Or think about the face of Mary at the foot of the cross, looking at her son, mocked, tortured, dying, and there was absolutely nothing she could do about it. Or think about the face of Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, who is disgusted by this ruddy and handsome boy David walking onto the battlefield. Remember what he says? Am I a dog that you come at me with a stick? Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. What did his face look like when he said that? And how can you make your face look like that as you're telling that part of the story? Use your face to show kids what the characters in the story looked like as they were delivering these lines and as they were going through these circumstances and bring the story to life by just the look on your face. Okay, so far we have talked about how we can use our voices. We've talked about how we can use our faces. And now we're going to talk about one more incredible tool that you can use to bring the Bible to life. Our last major communication tool to look at is our body language. Now, facial expressions are a part of our body language for sure. It's part of our nonverbal communication, but there's so much more that we can use. Though numbers vary, there are roughly 700 muscles in the entire human body. Only 42 of those are what you see in the face. So the rest of those muscles work together to create our gestures, our posture, and the way we move. Our body language can communicate so much to the kids we're trying to reach. Take the parable that Jesus told about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18. I'm going to read you verses 9 through 13 from the NLT, and I want you to think about what would the posture, what would the gestures, what would the body language look like of the Pharisee and the tax collector? Think about that as I'm reading this. In fact, if you're in a place you can practice this, try to assume the body language or the posture or the gestures of each of these characters as I get to their parts. Okay, Jesus told a story to some people who were sure they were right with God. They looked down on everyone else. He said to them, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, the other was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people. I am not like robbers or those who do other evil things. I am not like those who commit adultery. I am not even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood farther away than the Pharisee. He would not even look up to heaven. He brought his hand to his heart and prayed, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. Okay, think about that. In the text, it actually tells you some physical cues that you could use. I, I never noticed that before, but the tax collector put his hand to his heart as he prayed. Like, that's a powerful gesture you can use as you're telling that part of the story. The tax collector stood farther away than the Pharisee. So if I was telling the story when I was the Pharisee, well, I would put my chest down and I would use very big, broad gestures as I delivered my grand, arrogant prayer. And then when I'm the tax collector, I would step farther away as I'm telling the kids that the tax collector did that. I would step off to the side and, and I would hunch my shoulders and, and, and I would try to make my body look contrite and humble. And I would look down the whole time because the text tells us that he wouldn't even look up to heaven. And just by doing those physical things, suddenly the kids see the story come to life in a way that just telling them the story wouldn't do. 
Now, another way that you can use your body is to establish a scene. The way you do that is just by intentionally going to different places in your teaching area or stage for different parts of the lesson. For example, if you're telling the story of the crucifixion, you could tell part of that story about Jesus praying in the garden over in one part of the teaching area. And then when you talk about Jesus being arrested and taken before Pilate, you could tell that part of the story in a totally different part of the teaching area. And then finally end up somewhere else when you're talking about the cross. Or take the story of Elijah and Ahab and the poor widow. You could do the first Elijah and Ahab scene in one area. And then when Elijah tells Ahab there's going to be no rain for three years, then go over to a different area and talk about Elijah fleeing and hiding in the Kareth ravine and the birds bringing him food. And then tell the part about him going to the widow of Zarephath where he does the miracle with the flour and oil in a totally different place. And finally, you could go back to the first place you were teaching and tell the part of the story about Elijah returning to Israel to confront the wicked king once again. It's really powerful when you use just different areas of your room to establish settings in your kids' minds. Now, this can be challenging if you have stage lights and the lights are dim in other parts of the room, but if you have just a regular Sunday school room with fluorescent lights or whatever, you can set up teaching areas all around the room. And in fact, I've even done this where we've had environments with stage lights and you just have to be creative about how you point your lights or how you can create uh, teaching areas in different parts of the room. But if you can teach all around the kids or even if you're in front of them, just using various specific areas for different parts of the story, it's really cool the effect that it has. You can also use props or set pieces to enhance this, but it works really well with nothing at all. Your movement and your words establish the setting for kids and just makes the story more interesting to watch. Now, another way I've used this in the past is when I've told the story of Jonathan and the Philistines. It's one of my favorite stories to tell. And when I tell this story, it's really all about stepping out and taking a risk with God. And so at the beginning, I set up three scenarios that kids may find themselves in, that they may be scared to take a risk. I talk about... Maybe there's someone making fun of someone at school and they know they should stand up for that kid, but they're afraid they'll get made fun of too. Or they may have an elderly neighbor and their mom suggests that they go and rake the neighbor's yard or go help the neighbor in some way, but they're scared that the neighbor may yell at them or be kind of grumpy. And then also I tell a story about they might be at a sleepover and a kid pulls down a scary movie that they know they would never be allowed to watch in a million years. And they want to say something, but they're scared that their friends will think they're a baby. And as I tell each of those scenarios, I stand in three distinct places on the stage. And why do I do that? What good does it do? Well, I know that after the Bible story, I want to go and refer back to those scenarios and have everyone yell out our application phrase, go for it with God. So I go back to the same place for each one, and it just reminds the audience of the situation I'd already set up and then shows how the Bible truth can transform that situation and help them to be victorious. Now, another way that you can use your body to bring the Bible story to life is by having the characters in the story turn and talk to each other. Okay, for example, in the story of Elijah and the widow, I could say, Elijah went to the village of Zarephath, and there he met a poor widow who was at the town gate gathering sticks. He said to her, hey, you got anything to eat or drink around here? I'm starving. And she said, what do I look like, a bakery? I don't have any bread. All I have is a little bit of flour and oil to make one last meal for my son and I to eat, and then we're going to starve to death. Okay, that's an all right story to just to tell staring at the audience. But what if when I get to the lines of Elijah and the widow, I turn 
I turn and face my right when I'm Elijah. And then when I get to the widow's line, I step over kind of to the other side and turn left as if I'm the widow talking back to Elijah. Just by turning your body and doing the gestures the characters might do, you transform your story from a talking head into more of a scene from a movie or a play. Beyond that, I would just say to look for any opportunity to use intentional movement to keep the kids guessing about what you're going to do next. Climb a ladder when you're Zacchaeus in the tree trying to see Jesus. Crouch down when you're the Israelite spies sneaking into the promised land. Crawl through the cave when you're David creeping up on King Saul to cut off a piece of his robe. Run when you're Jonathan and Peter rushing to the empty tomb. Wobble around trying to get your sea legs when you're Jonah in the boat in the storm. And get those knees up and march when you're walking around the walls of Jericho. One of my favorite things to do is to climb things. I think the kids just love it. So when I'm telling the story of Jonathan and the Philistines, the story takes place with two cliffs and there's a pass between the cliffs. So I'll use two chairs or two big wooden blocks that I can get up on. One of them is the Israelite camp. One of them is a Philistine camp. And so I can very dramatically climb down one cliff, step out into the pass, let the Philistine guards see me, and then very dramatically climb up hand over hand, muscles straining, sweat pouring from my brow as I describe what it was like for Jonathan and the armor bearer to climb that cliff and build the suspense as they get ready to face off with the Philistines. Hey, one important side note. I know some of us are really enthusiastic and we can get a little carried away when we're teaching and we can get so caught up in our lesson that we might forget to think through safety. So if you are climbing a ladder or a chair or running across the teaching area, just use common sense. Make sure you have a clear path and won't trip on something. If you're planning on standing on a chair or something else that's elevated, make sure it's stable. It's not going to slide out from under you. The last thing that's going to help your Bible story is to fall off something or twist your ankle or whatever else. Now, if you have any doubts about if something is safe or not, just cut it from your lesson. And just a reminder, I'm not an expert on stage safety by any means. I'm just a guy who teaches the Bible and I'm just throwing out a few ideas. So if you're thinking of trying something outside the box, get the opinion of someone in your church who has a good head for safety and logistics and see what they think. I accept no liability for however you may hurt yourself trying creative teaching techniques with kids. So be creative, but just be careful. And now if you're not physically able to climb or crawl or crouch or whatever, just do as much as you can or recruit your teenage son or some other storytelling assistant who can act it out for you as you're telling the story. And finally, I would say when in doubt about where to move on the stage or what to do with your body, plant yourself. If you don't have somewhere intentional to be, don't go anywhere. The last thing you want to do is pace all over the place or rock back and forth. I've seen storytellers who have almost made me seasick because they were constantly swaying with nervous energy. Okay, so far we've talked about using our voices, using our faces, using our body, and in combination, all three of these tools are really powerful ways to bring the Bible to life. But now I'm going to give you one more bonus tool, a secret weapon that's actually more powerful than all three of those combined. It's not your face, not your voice, not your body. It's your heart. No matter how talented and engaging of a storyteller you may be, if your heart's not in it, if your heart's not right with God and not focused on loving kids, you're just up here making noise like a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal, as Paul says. Let's read the words of 1 Corinthians 13, 1-7 in the message. It says, If I speak with human eloquence or angelic ecstasy but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, 
And if I have a faith that says to a mountain, jump and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. You see, friends, that's why it's vital that we all remember anytime we're going to stand up in front of kids, we have to do business with God before we do business for God. It doesn't matter if we're hosting around a video or telling a live story. It doesn't matter if we're on a big stage with all the bells and whistles or in a little bitty classroom tucked away in the back of the church. If we want to bring real power to our teaching, we need to spend some time in the Word and pray over it. If you really want to bring the Bible to life for kids, the first thing you have to do is let God bring the Bible to life in you. I'm embarrassed to tell you the number of times I've taught from curriculum without going back to the Bible and reading the story for myself. And when I do that, it's never as good, never as moving, never as powerful. So here's what you can do to make sure that doesn't happen to you. Just take 15 minutes to read the Bible passage the kids are learning and ask God what he wants to teach you. And think about the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. You want to read the Bible with the humility of the tax collector who approached God by saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And so when you read that Bible passage you're going to be teaching, have that same humility. Ask God, what are you saying to me? Not just so I can teach it, but so I can live it. The fact is, if we want to make the word flesh, it has to become flesh first in us. We go into the story with humility, asking two questions. What's God saying? And what does he want me to do about it? Trevin Wax, editor of the Gospel Project, said it like this. In Bible study, we need to ask what the text teaches us about God. We go to the Bible not to find practical tidbits for our daily living, but to encounter God. Who is God? What is he like? How has he made himself known? How does he speak to us? What does he expect of us? I love what it says in Acts 4.13 when Peter and John are brought before the elders and teachers of the law for healing a beggar and teaching about Jesus. It says the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. The fact is, people can tell when you've been with Jesus. The kids can tell. So make sure you spend time with him before you get up and talk about him. Well, that's it, friends. Use your faces, use your bodies, use your hearts to bring the Bible to life for kids in a way they'll never forget. Our Bible verse today is John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. It's our job as communicators to follow Jesus' example and to put flesh and blood on the Word of God, to make it real for kids, help them to see it, help them to feel it, help them to understand it, and to use every means possible to capture their hearts and their imaginations with the wonder of God's word. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you found this helpful, I would love it if you could go over and leave a review on iTunes. I've had some really nice reviews lately and sure do appreciate that. It encourages me to keep producing these episodes for you guys because I'm just here to help. So if you find this helpful, let me know about that. Leave me a review or rate the podcast over on iTunes. That will help get the word out and just help me to know that this is making a difference. So I hope you have a great week making a difference with the kids that you're teaching and with the storytellers you're training in your children's ministry. I'll see you back here next time on Simple Kid Men. We'll give our